Let's give it up for the Genesis Metro Band leading us in worship. Yes. It's been a great Sunday already. Welcome to it. Um, we are going to be continuing our series today called The Light. And I know that there's so many things that are restarting. All right. I don't think that children... Um, teenagers have been so excited to start school in a very, very long time. And I don't know if your kids wanted to see other human beings, um, but I know that ours did. And so, well, I say that our middle schooler really enjoyed it. My senior in high school was like, dad, do I really have to go? I was like, yes, I just want you to get out. And so anyway, um, so a lot of things are starting back up. And I know that a lot of you are starting back up uh, live. And it's good to see new faces that are old faces um, every week. And we have our online crowd. And, and I know that they wish that they could be here. Can we give them a round of applause? Those are online. We miss you. And I hope that you're experiencing worship right along with us. Um, for those of you that haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I want to catch you up. Uh, we're, we started a series called The Light, and the concept behind it is that God is always trying to give us light, especially during dark seasons. And as we take a step uh, towards that light, that, that God is giving us more light and more light, and we, we found ourselves um, in a story in the Old Testament that's going to end in this miraculous victory from God where a clay pot is smashed and light shines out and God wins uh, through Gideon. But when we found Gideon um, in Judges chapter 6 a couple of weeks ago, we thought we would take a journey and look at his steps toward the light. And, and every week we, we learn a little bit more about how we need to step towards the light. And the, and the great thing about Gideon is that in the Bible sometimes, um, I don't know, do y'all ever have, I don't want to say inferiority complex, but sometimes you see people in the Bible and, and we say things like, I wish... I had faith like that, right? Like, I wish I had faith like that. And, and some people um, seemingly had this confident, uh, borderline cocky faith, right? Now, do y'all remember when young David like walked out there? Like, does anybody remember this story? Like David like kind of walks out there and he sees this giant and he's like, what? Everybody's so afraid of this guy. Like, I, I got this. And it's almost like there's a cockiness and, and many of us, I don't know that we can relate to that. You know, like I might be a brave person. I might be like a fighter person, but, but a giant, I mean, I might have a hard time seeing a giant and going, no problem. I mean, all the soldiers were quaking on the sidelines, but, but David had this cocky type of faith. When we see Gideon, on the other hand, very different story. When we found Gideon two weeks ago, Gideon was hiding in a hole and he's threshing wheat in a wine vat, which would be like a cave in the ground. And he's doing so because he's afraid that the enemy is going to steal from him. And so he's having to hide. And, and the enemy, once we're operating out of fear, will make us do things and, and hide because we're afraid. We have a scarcity mentality. We have this mentality like there's not enough, there's no, and like God's not gonna come through and I gotta take care of me because, you know, yeah, it's good to say you have faith, but you know, I'm gonna take care of myself. And so here is Gideon and, and we find him, not only is he in a season of darkness, he's in a season of oppression where his enemies have encircled him. He also is going through a season where his family has forsaken God. So not only is there an enemy from, with, from without, there's an, also an enemy from within. He's been now raised in, in somewhat idolatry where they're worshiping these false gods. And so when we find Gideon 
In the Bible, Judges chapter six, God comes to him and, and he says, oh mighty warrior, I'm gonna use you to deliver the people. And Gideon doesn't believe what God says about him. So imagine the contrast between someone who seemingly has this superior, almost resolute faith that does not waver, does not wobble. But in Gideon, we don't have that. When God comes to Gideon and says, you are a mighty warrior, Gideon's like, you got the wrong guy. Like, that's not me. And he tells him what he's going to do. He's going to use him to save Israel. And we would say, like, if God came to us, we'd be like, yes, like God's going to use me. But Gideon's mindset was, I don't know how you could ever use me. What I love about the Bible is that it's real. Many of us, God is coming to us and saying, I want to use you. I could do great things through you. I have put some things in you. And, and many of us, we're not David. We're not like, give me the biggest giant. I can take him out. Many of us are like, God, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if you have the right person. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I have some skeletons in my closet. I have some things that, that I feel guilty about. I have some shame. Whatever the things are, they, they begin to mount up and and we begin to argue with God about what he can do with our lives. The great thing about the Bible is that, that it gives us this resolution and, and it identifies with us where we're at. And I don't know if you're in a season of darkness and I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I know this, that, that God was saying to Gideon that there are many steps between the beginning of faith and the finish line. And you don't have to know all the steps. You just get to take the next step. And if you'll take the next step with faith, God says, I'll shine some light. And then if you take the next step, he says, I'll shine some light. And if you'll take enough steps, eventually you'll get to the promise that God has for your life. And so I want you to know as we go through this story this morning that you might be in a season where you're doubting. You might be in a season where there's darkness. And you might be asking yourself, I don't know how God could ever change all of this. I don't know how God could ever turn all this around. I feel like the enemy is too great. If that's you this morning, you're Gideon. You're Gideon. And the great thing is, is that I can tell you that the, the distance that you have to go, it's a long road. But today, you only have to take a step. And if you'd step towards the light today, guess what? When you wake up tomorrow, you'll take one more step. And I promise you, every time you step towards the light, God is going to reveal more and more about himself. And so as we're moving toward the light, we're going to pick up Gideon's story. And I want you to begin thinking, what parts of Gideon do you need to apply to your life? And if you need to be encouraged today, I promise you, I promise you, today is going to be an encouraging word. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to see that in today's passage, Gideon is going to ask for a sign. And I know that, that many of us, probably every one of us at some point have reached a, a moment where you're like, God, I need a sign. By show of hands, anybody in here are like, like, God, please, like, give me a sign. And, and just to be clear, like in the New Testament, you might be saying like, well, there's some discrepancy because Jesus once tried to the crowd and said, you know, an evil generation seeks after a sign. Well, what is the difference between Gideon and the New Testament or these different counts. Well, in the New Testament, they were trying to get God to dance. Like, in other words, like, I'm going to play a song, God, you dance, you entertain me. And God is not in the business of having to entertain you. 
God is self-sufficient in and of himself. At the same time, God knows our frailty. And so in the Old Testament, whenever Gideon was seeking after a sign, it wasn't so that God could, could perform for him like an entertainer. It was because he was saying, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want you to confirm and affirm what you have promised to me. God is not afraid of that prayer. And I know that many of us in those times, God sends us exactly what we need at exactly the right time. And so as we walk through this story this morning, just understand, God will always give you everything you need. Old saying in the preacher world, where God guides, God provides. And so if he's guiding you this morning, you can always trust he's going to provide. In Judges chapter six, it says, now, <coughs> now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other Eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew this trumpet. He summoned the Abiezrites, which are his people, his clan. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also into Asher, Zebulon, Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet them. So the number one point I wanna make is that the enemy is always circling. The enemy is always circling. I mean, I'm telling you, before you even got out of bed today, some of you, like the, the enemy was right there beside you on the pillow, right? You wake up and he's like, you might as well stay in bed. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And your kids are already plotting on you before you even get out of the bed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can already hear it in the distance. Oh, no, stop it. You, mom, mom, dad, mom. It happens. You're fighting on the way to, to, to services. Someone's like, you know, is that, well, I told you I didn't want you to wear that. That's not what I want you to wear. Like, blah, 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 blah. And like, we start getting into these fusses and the enemy's working us before we even get here so that we can get distracted. You couldn't help yourself and so you checked that email and now you're thinking about the email when God's trying to send you something this morning and you're already fixated on something else somewhere else. The enemy does not take a day off. Did y'all know that? Does not take a day off. 365 days, the enemy gets up. We have an enemy from without and the Bible says that we wrestle with flesh and blood. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness in high places. But we also have a sin nature that's inside of us. And then we have people that are against us. Here it says that all these people were gathering around Gideon, gathering around the Israelites. The enemies were combining. They were making some like super villain out of each other so that they could face the Israelites. It's like just like when it couldn't get any darker, just when his family had, had wandered far from God, now the enemies are coalescing around Gideon at just the wrong time. So his faith is struggling to be born, and yet the enemy is trying to stomp him in the middle of it. It reminds me of the movie Jaws. Does anybody remember the movie Jaws? It's like, da-dum. Did anybody ever feel like that? You ever walk in your house at night and you, there's just something off? Anybody like, da-dum. It's like there's, there's something in the air. Has anybody ever had that moment where you're like something, like a husband walks in and he's like just, it's just like there's sixth sense about you, like it's something in the air. Anybody, like parents, have you ever gotten home from a trip and all the kids are eerily quiet and like obeying and something's wrong. Something, whenever they're getting along and being nice, something has happened and now you have to figure it out, right? And can I get an amen from the, you know what I'm talking about? 
Sometimes it's too quiet. Sometimes you walk into a meeting. You ever had a, a relationship? Maybe it's a business relationship. Maybe you're going in for a sale and everything has been like great. Like the relationship is great. All the conversations like, yeah, man. Hey, yeah, you doing great. Yeah, we can't wait. Have you down. And then like you walk in and all of a sudden like the demeanor has shifted. Has anybody had this happen to you? Where it's like now the person is just sitting there like, And, and you're, you're trying to figure, like, did something happen? Did, are you, something happened? And they're like, no, what? Is there a problem? Like, yeah, your, your face is, <laughs> is saying that you are no longer interested in this relationship. You're no longer interested in doing this deal, but you were acting like, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like you get, these mixed messages and, and things are changing and the enemy is circling. And, and not only do you have these relationships that are weird, you also have the, the enemy that's inside your mind. Has anybody ever realized that you're in a wrestling match with your mind? Can I raise your hands if you've ever been in a wrestling match? Like, how do I feel? How should I feel? It's like, did they do this, did that? And it's like, there's a constant thing that's going on up there. Here we see that the enemies were circling trying to take Gideon out. And sometimes we go through seasons where it feels like our enemies are ganging up on us. We feel like the people that are opposing us are now joining forces. Gideon, the Bible says, blew the trumpet and summoned his friends. He said, we're, we're getting ready to go to battle. Man, I love it. Football season, getting ready to kick off. Can I get an amen for football season, getting ready to kick off? Yes. Yes. Cowboys Super Bowl bound already. And you know what I love about football? I love about sports in general. Like LeBron throws it down. He like does this ah, thing where he snaps it over his leg. I know there's a lot of LeBron haters. That's okay. And so, so like, you know, they got that like pre, like pre game huddle in the football where they all start like doing this bouncing thing and like, ho, ha, eh, ah, oh, you know, and everybody's getting hyped. I feel like that should be church, right? That's, that's the way I feel. Like some of you guys come in here and you're like, oh, like, like he got baptized in pickle juice anyway. And so, so like, like, why would we not be hyped? I had a guy come up to me after first service and I think it's his second time here. He's like, man, if you're not ready for that sermon after that worship, you are dead inside. I was like, dang straight, brother. I was like, whoo, we started doing this thing and I don't even know him. We hugged, we chest bumped. And so anyway, what I'm trying to get you to see is that Gideon had to meet the intensity and the passion of his enemy. So his enemy is getting together with their friends. We got to come together with our friends that we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're the church. Like if we don't come together and fight for the light, if we don't come together and fight for the lost, then what in the world are we doing? If we can't get excited about that, then what in the world are we doing? I hope today that if you are in a season of darkness, and if your family has been getting it wrong like Gideon's was, and you see the enemies starting to circle, and the fin is out of the water, and you hear the sound of the Jaws music around your household, that today you would not ignore all these signs. That you would blow the trumpet, that you would allow the Spirit of God to allow some friends, some church, some brothers and sisters to join with you, and we'll do battle.
We'll do battle for your marriage. We'll do battle for your children. We'll do battle for your friends that are far from God and that are without hope. And so here is Gideon in this strange situation, not with the faith of a, of a mountain. He's the faith of a small molehill, and yet God is able to do great things whenever we believe. It says in Judges chapter six, the next verse, verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. Now we only got one verse before we got to the next point, but I think it's worthy is that you need to keep appealing to the promise that God gave you. If you, if you want to move forward with God, you have to be standing on a promise that it'll start with a promise, it'll be sustained by a promise, and if you should ever wobble, if you should ever wander, that it'll be revived by that promise. When God finds Gideon, he says, oh mighty warrior, there's the promise. He says, I'm going to use you to save Israel, there's the promise. And then Gideon goes and tears down his father's false idols, and he worships God. And now he's getting ready to take the next step. He takes the next step. The Jaws music starts playing. The enemy starts coming out. He blows the trumpet. He's gathering his people. So there are, there's people like, like, like uh, the Mel Gibson movie. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what was that one where they all fought? In the, uh, oh yeah, Braveheart. And so it's like Braveheart. Like, ah, ah. And now they're going to come out and they're going to have this clash of titans. Okay, so that's the moment that we're in the middle of. And Gideon is still taking every step with a little bit of fear. It's like a child going off the high dive for the first time. You know, it's just like, oh, oh, okay, God, are you still with me? Oh God, are you still with me? And he said, God, if you're gonna save Israel like you promised, you ever made that promise to your children you're gonna stop off for ice cream? Anybody made that promise? And then like you really don't have time and you really don't want ice cream. And there's all these other things that you gotta get done, but what are they gonna say? Dad, you promised. Dad, you promised. Mom, you promised. Okay, we'll get the ice cream. You can hear Gideon. God, you're gonna save Israel as you have promised. As you have promised. God, you promised. You see, it's important that you're standing on a promise. Is your marriage standing on a promise? Is your company standing on a promise? Is your parenting standing on a promise? Is your dating, if you're, if you're planning on getting married to someone and you're dating them right now, I would strongly encourage that you start on a promise of God. It's really hard to start on things that are of this world, how they look, what they, what they have, what they don't, all that, and then try to relocate to the promise. If you'll start on the promise, your relationship will be sustained by the promise. I think of all the promises. Sometimes we feel like we're alone, and I wonder, can we stand on that promise that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I wonder if we could stand on the promise that if we're, if we're fearful about our fate or our future, that we could remember 1 Corinthians when it says that one day that we that are alive shall be caught up to be with him and that the dead in Christ will rise first and then shall be brought to pass the saying, 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? That, that Christ, in the end, swallows up death, hell, and the grave. And we win when we go to heaven. I mean, what, what promise... What promise are you standing on? What promise are you standing on? Here is Gideon saying, God, I, I want to believe. Help me take the next step towards the light. I was thinking about the, the part where, but if you wander, he'll revive it by the promise. And I love to use the scripture to illustrate scripture. And, and I try to think of who was someone that wandered because I know all of us are straight arrows and we've never wandered, we've never struggled, we've never failed. Um, that's not true. All of us in here are sinners. I assure you, I am. And so whenever we're thinking about people that fail, I thought about the apostle Peter. You guys remember when he denied who Christ was? You guys remember this story? It's like they're in the, the garden and, and Jesus has already warned him. He already told him, hey, you're gonna mess up. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Yes, you are. And so he sits there and he denies that he even knows Jesus. Like, I don't even know who he is. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even want to be a dinner. I don't even be associated with this Jesus guy. And the Bible says that Jesus died and he, he rises again. And, and Peter has now not just denied him. He's like, you know what? I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what pays the bills. I'm going back to, to fishing. You know what I've always been able to count on? Fishing. I know I'm not preaching to anyone in here. You're never tempted to go back, right, and solve it yourself. You're not self-reliant, right? Like, you know what? I tried the God thing. It didn't work out for me. I'm going to go back to what I know. The Bible says that Peter is out there fishing. And it says that they had caught nothing. Fished all night, not caught a thing. And there was this little guy in the distance on the shoreline, and he calls out to him and says, Hey, throw your nets on the right side of the ship, the other side of the ship. And they let down their nets, and all of a sudden, so many fish. So many fish. And instantly the Bible says that Peter knew it was Jesus. And they started to row for the shoreline, but Peter was so enamored that he dives in and like swims as fast as he can to get to the shoreline and runs up to meet Jesus. And Jesus is so cool. Like Jesus is the best ever because Jesus is sitting there and he's cooking breakfast. And do you know what's in the skillet? Does anybody know what was in the skillet? Fish. Wait a minute. The thing that Peter went back to, I'm going to go back to what I know. And then the thing that he was really good at wasn't producing anything until Jesus spoke a word to it. And then the moment that Jesus spoke to it, it produced, and then he goes in, and the thing that he was trying to catch in his own power is what Jesus was already cooking on the shore. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's like you're trying to get something, but God already has it, and if you would step towards the light, he's already preparing it for you this morning. And so he's sitting there, and now we're going to have a hard conversation. 
Do you remember when I promised Peter? Do you remember the first time we went through this? Like you said that you were going to follow me and you dropped your nets and then where are you now? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times he asked him. I thought I would ask you that question this morning. If, if, imagine being in that situation. Have you ever, imagine if God asked you, do you love me? I mean, I gave you a promise. I already proved myself. Like, do you love me? By how you live, by how you share, by how you give, by how you demonstrate your faith. Like, do you love me? By how you love your spouse, do you love me? By how you raise your children, do you love me? By how you manage your money, do you love me? Oh man, it's tough. It's tough. If you've wandered, if you've wobbled, and maybe even denied him, isn't it great that you can go back to that promise? Isn't it great that that God could revive your walk with him, that God's promise that was true the day that he met Peter was true after he denied Christ, and that he was able to resurrect Peter's calling by the promise that he had already given him. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. I encourage you, if you're ever walking through a season of darkness, if you've ever wobbled, if you've ever wandered, and you want to know, how do I get back? How do I get back? Step towards the light. Step towards the light. Appeal to the promises of God. And God will always, every time, deliver on his promise. We move on. It says, verse 37, this is where we talk about, give me a sign. We're going to put out this fleece. Verse 37, this was a challenge that Gideon put before God. He said, I'm going to take this wool fleece. So just imagine like a big, big fluffy beach towel, okay? This is what we're going to do, God. I'm going to lay it out on the ground. And in the morning, when the ground would normally be covered with dew, I want it to be completely dry. I'm going to lay this towel out. And I want the ground to be completely dry, but I want this towel, this fleece, to be dripping wet, completely soaked. And so he wakes up the next morning, and sure enough, the ground is completely dry. And he wrings out this fleece, and it's like buckets of water falling out of it. Now, we would say to ourselves, God has provided the sign. And we would say that if a person really had faith, they would take that sign, and then they would go marching into the gates of hell with a water gun, right? Because they were so stoked. But this is how weak Gideon was. He was like, okay, God... Okay, nice trick, <laughs> but I want to make sure this is your will. This is like a person tithing for the first time. They're like, oh, God, I'm going to write this check. Now, are you sure you want me to write this? Write the check. Okay. Are you sure you want me to write? God, I'm going to volunteer in the baby's area. Are you sure you want me to volunteer in the baby's area? Yes, I'm sure I want you to volunteer. Okay, God, well, I'm just checking. I'm going to work in that parking lot. It's really hot out there. Yes. It might be cold out. Yes. It's raining. Yes. The promise is still the same. So Gideon doesn't take the first sign. He was like, God, the next day, we're going to do it in reverse. I'm going to put the fleece out. And this time, 
I want the fleece to be completely dry and the ground to be sopping wet. And he wakes up the next morning and it's the same. God delivers both times. It's almost like God is saying, any way you want it, any way you ask it, I can do it. The problem is not the provision. The problem is not the purpose. The problem is not that God cannot solve. It is the people. We are the problem because we have weak faith sometimes. And God says, that's okay. Try me. Put me to the test and see if I don't deliver every single time. I was imagining the, the scene in, in the New Testament. Do y'all remember the, the scene where the, the, the people ripped open the roof and lowered the guy down? Does anybody remember this? I was like, gosh, that's a, what a great picture of this type of mentality of putting out the fleece and, and God being able to provide every time. It says that, that these people brought their friend and he was paralyzed. And when they got to the house, it was so packed that they couldn't get inside. And so they had to go up on the roof and they ripped open the roof and they started lowering this guy down. And can you imagine like right now if a hole, just like we started hearing some tinkering on our roof during the service and like all of a sudden like a big hole opened up and like a little guy on a stretcher started rolling down. I mean, I think, I think all of us would be like, hey, what's going on? And so, so Jesus, the Bible says, looks up and imagine these little faces lowering this guy down and, and all of a sudden he looks up and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we all love Jesus, and we're like, woo, yeah, Jesus just saved somebody. But that's not the crowd that he was in. The crowd that Jesus was in that day in this house, there were believers that were like, yeah, just like we would be. But then there were unbelievers who were on the fence trying to figure out who Jesus was. But then there were the critics. Oh, every Sunday we got all three, I assure you. Critics. See, in their culture, they, they would say that a man can't forgive sins, which is true. It's true. So they began to whisper to one another, did he just say, did he just say your sins are forgiven? Did he just act like he has the power to forgive sins? Someone needs to tell him he doesn't need to say stuff like that. That's blasphemy that he would say something like that. A man cannot forgive someone's sins. You know what I love about Jesus? Fastball to the face. He's like, that's right. A man can't forgive sins. But I'm more than just a man. I am the son of God. And he looks at them and he says, you are saying to yourself, I don't have the power to forgive someone's sins, but just so you know who I am and what I can do, I'm gonna make the outside look just like the inside. And he looks at this guy and he says, rise and walk. And this fool picks up his little cot and takes it and walks out like peace. And like, what, what? I'm telling you right now that, that you might be sitting here and you don't have the greatest faith. You don't have the strongest faith. You might have the weakest faith in the room, 
But all you have to do is step towards the light. All you have to do is believe in the promise of God. And God says, you know what? I'll take what I already put inside you and I'll make the outside look like the inside. That I can not only save you on the inside, I'll provide for you on the outside, but you gotta step towards the light. For all the skeptics in the room, he's more than a man. He's the son of God and there is nothing that he cannot do. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you do what you do today, God. For the unbeliever that's sitting in this room right now, God, you would reach out by your message of mercy and that they would know in this moment for absolute certainty that you and you alone have the power to forgive sin that God, we as a church have collectively brought our lost friends, our hurting friends, people that are without hope so that they might hear the only message that is able to save and deliver. God, I pray for all of the believers in the house, for all the non-Davids in here, for all the people that have wandered from you, God, and especially during this season of unprecedented chaos, God, I pray that, that in this moment, they would have the faith not of David, but that they would have the faith of Gideon. The faith that, that trepidly, fearfully, with insecurity and great doubt is willing to take one step towards the light. I pray, Father, if everyone in here this morning took one step towards the light, oh, how the Spirit of God would fill this room for those that have been wandering and, and wasting away, that the church is a checkbox. I pray that the Spirit of God might shake you to your foundation, that you might have walked in here for one reason, but now all of a sudden God's Spirit is speaking to you saying it's time it's time to rise it's time to fight are you going to join with us are you going to join with the church in this hour of darkness and be a warrior for the light or are you going to sit on the sidelines and let everyone else take the shots oh church it's a living body made up of stones that are meant to do their part we need you we need you this morning. Would you stand and would you worship him?